The Lord is good, amen. Let's all stand. We have so much to be thankful for. And there's still more. Just like our meals, we don't stop eating just because we ate once. Amen. We keep getting filled. Let's go ahead and um, begin this service, this commissioning communion service with some praise. Are you guys ready? Oh, 
our game here. You know what I just felt like the Lord is saying that he wants you to watch for him. You know, when we're singing this song, we can sing it like in reflection of what he has done in our lives. But I really feel like the Lord wants us to sing this song in expectation yes. of what he's going to do. If you got a phone call right now and you said, excuse me, Pastor, I got to take this phone call. And your long lost brother, who you hadn't talked to for a couple years now, said, I, I got your number, sis. And I want you to know, I just got saved and baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want you to sing the song like, oh, Lord, how great are your works. Come on. Oh, Lord, come on. The sense of celebration, the expectation of what God can do. He wants us to expect him. As we pray, as we believe, now he says, now watch for me. Watch for me. Watch. Sometimes we're looking in one direction. He's saying, I'm working over here. I'm doing this over here. You know what? I don't know about you. 2023, I expect God. I expect Him to do great things. I expect Him to do Ephesians 3.20 exceedingly, abundantly, more than I can ask or imagine. But it doesn't stop here. Remember, that verse does not stop there. Because a lot of us, oh good, I go sit in my easy boy chair, and Lord, you're just going to do it. That's not what the scripture says. Exceedingly, abundantly, more than I can ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work in Pastor David and Land, we're going to do it. No, according to the power that is at work in me, in you. I can't take your baton. I can't run the race for you. I can't be the example you need to be for your family. You're called to that. You're called to that. You have an assignment. You have an anointing. You just don't have an assignment. You have an anointing. You have power for the assignment. Because you're saying, I can't do it in myself. I'm exhausted. I get emotionally exhausted when I'm around. Of course you do. Of course you do. But when the Holy Spirit breathes on you, He gives you supernatural strength to run the race, to be able to do that which you cannot do by yourself. So, oh Lord, how great are your works. Come on, let's start believing it. Oh Lord, how great are your works. Oh Lord, how great are your works. You have made you have made.
Spirit, there's always more. Yes. He did it and he'll do it again. Just like you did it before. Lord, we are ready for more. Just like you did it before. Lord, we are ready for more. 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 Sing it out. Lord, we are ready for more. Fire. Fill me with the Holy 
and fire, 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 fall on us, start a new
This is where everything changes from the inside out. Is when we're face to face with you. Cause you never moved. You were always here. Now my eyes are fixed on you. Rushing wind, 
Come on, I'll tell you what, the Lord is in this place. Oh, Wind of God blow. Wind of God blow. Wind of God blow. Breath of God. Breath of God. Breath of God. Breath of God. Here, Rapo 
Holy Spirit. We're going to go in time of con communion right now. Because I really feel, we're switching it up, man. We're switching it up because I really feel like we're ripe for responding to the communion right now. So what we're going to do is you can be seated. Shelly's, Dr. Shelly's going to come up here. She's going to share some things as we take communion. And we'll distribute that communion. Woo. You feel that? It's the stirring. Communion is a time... Of reflection in 1st Corinthians the 11th chapter the Apostle Paul is addressing the church he's addressing the church that has some issues that they haven't dealt with and he directly he directly identifies communion in this and he asks this, he said, many of you are taking this carelessly. You're, you're taking on communion without reflection. And he says this, he said, and because of that, there's some issues that God has not been able to touch in your life. Because of that, because you're not dealing with it, God is not able to take you to the, where you need to go. The power that's in the communion of this remembrance is more than just a remembrance. It's empowerment. And this is what he says. He says, but if we evaluated and judged ourselves honestly, recognizing our shortcomings and correcting our behavior, we would not be judged by God that he receives us. That means that relationship starts to happen. So God gave me a list. <laughs> These are the things he spoke to me during the first part of the service. I didn't even know that I was gonna do the, the that it was gonna be such like this, but this is where God wants it to go. Number one, these are the things that he wants you to reflect in your life. And, and if you're, because this is what it is. This is what, when I, I write in my Bible like this. So when God speaks to me, so to me, that scripture where it says, recognizing your shortcomings and collect and correcting our behavior. I tell my clients this, what doesn't come out in a wash comes out in a rinse. Well, this is the rinse. Okay. You've had the worship, you've had the word and God's, God's got some stuff. He's been correcting you, correcting you, and, and you're adjusting some things. That was the wash. Now he's saying, there's some still some things, some residue. Here's the rinse, okay? First one that you can reflect upon in your life. Do I have the city of Jericho mindset? In the Bible, it says that Jericho was tightly shut up and nothing could come in and nothing could go out 
And it was that way because of fear. So God is saying, I want them to do address. There's people in here that have that Jericho mindset and have built a strong wall of defense. But it's shut you up. It's closed you out. Even though it's been a, a thing for protection that you thought was needed at the moment. But it stopped the flow and it's hindered you and imprisoned you from moving out. So that's the first thing. The city of Jericho minds it. That's a book right there. Number two. The mindset of offense. We have taken on offense in our society. And we're offended by everything. Don't like that I'm wearing flat shoes that are bad for my back. They look cute. I'm offended by that. We're offended by everything. We take on the mindset of offense. Jesus addressed this. In one of his closest, and, and, and he honored this man. He, he even said, this man is greatest among, greatest among women that has ever been born. It was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was in prison. He was in there for a while because, you know, he wanted to confront some issues. He felt led to do that. And so he confronted some issues in the, in the, the palace. And so he got arrested. And Jesus was in town, and Jesus didn't go visit his cousin, John the Baptist. And John the Baptist waited for Jesus, and actually um, messages were sent saying, you know what, how come you're not visiting John? He's wondering what's happening. And finally, his disciples sent a message to Jesus saying, John has a message for you, and we need to send back an answer. He's still in jail. He's still in prison. He said, John says, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Or should we look for another? Hmm? So John was sitting in prison and he started getting a little offended by Jesus not visiting. And you want to know why we know this? Because he said, you go out and you tell John this. You tell him what you've seen. The blind are gaining their sight. The lame are walking. The, the dumb are speaking. Then he says, and blessed is the man who doesn't take offense. Ooh. So he was saying, John, don't take offense. Don't be offended. Finish well. Offense causes us to not finish well. Because we're so busy being hurt. An open wound. So the mindset of offense. The third one, and this one was like, ooh. That we, God wants us to address that we are cultivating a culture of dishonor. And this was where it, it honed in really tight. I said, God, what do you mean by this? Because I was thinking of all kinds of things that are going on in society. But he says, no, no, no. I'm talking about the home. He says, the culture of dishonor 
is being cultivated when we talk about our spouse in a negative way to our children. That we talk, I mean, that we talk negatively about our spouse to our children. We are creating dishonor in them. And there is a promise of God that says, children, honor your parents so that your life will be long upon the earth. And what is happening is we are choking that promise out of our children by talking bad about, well, you know your dad is just a, you know he's this way. Even if you guys aren't together, even if there wasn't, let me tell you, I've been through some stuff with dad. With my kids. Well, let me tell you. I always tried my best. And my sister knows this. To create a culture of honor with my mouth. Because I want my kids to live long on this earth. And what you do is you tell it to Jesus. Instead of telling it to your kids. Saying about what daddy's like, what mommy's like. Allowing your kids to correct your parent, the parent in front of no stop stop it we've got to correct this in the church we can't take it to the street until we get it corrected in the church so God wants this to be addressed some of you have allowed this to happen and you're wondering how come your kids are smart mouthing you can change it because it comes through repentance right now which we're going to do okay fourth thing. I have five things. So the fourth thing is power and control with God. In psychology, they have, it's called the domestic will of violence. And the domestic will of violence is titled power and control. And when the Holy Spirit was downloading this to me, he said, they have a domestic will of violence with me. It's about power and control. And this is how it goes. They have their honeymoon phase with me. Ooh, it feels so good. I'm praising Jesus, praising Jesus. They have their honeymoon phase. And then the tension goes, and then they start to try to control me. They try to control me. And when I won't be controlled because I am sovereign in their life, they don't release because of that, then it becomes the anger, the I'm just leaving God. I'm just, you know, God's not here. He's not supporting me. He's a, and we become to where we become disjointed until we have an emotional experience with God at another thirst conference. With, Thank you, Jesus. We're all in it again. And then this cycle keeps going, the power in control. And it's all about, I want to be in control. I want to have the power. Instead of saying, God, you're all powerful. You're the one that controls this situation. My steps are ordered by you, not by me. usually comes in if, if, if the power and control starts to come in it starts to reflect upon our relationships with each other so you need to check them you say well I don't have that with God well start checking your relationship with each other 
okay? Because when we're wanting to control others, that means we're wanting to control God. It's just coming out in a reflection of other people. And saying, God's not taking care of them, so I got to take care of them. Okay. That's good, isn't it? I know. You're getting quiet. You're getting quiet, yes. That we try to control, we're trying to control God through other people. We're trying to control God by saying, well, if my husband would do this, so I'm going to say, you know. And, and you know where it, it happens? Through manipulation. We try to manipulate God through manipulating circumstances and people. God's saying, I'm not going to be controlled. I'm not going to be controlled. This needs to be addressed in this house. If you are going to praise me and say that I'm all powerful, then give me the power. If you're going to say that, that I'm in control of, of your life, that you've surrendered to me, then give me control. No more of this back and forth. Saying, yeah, I got it. No, you do. Now I got it. Oh, now I thirst. Yeah, it's all on Jesus. And then you back. No. He's saying, stop the, the power and control, Will. I'm, he's saying right now, I'm done cycling with you. I'm done. He's getting off that cycle. He was never on it. You thought he was on it, but he was never on it. The last one is number five, the mindset of comparison. The biggest issue that we can get into with losing what, our, what God's perfect plan in our, in, in, for him, for us, is that we start to compare ourselves to other people. I always like to, every once in a while, I'll go back and I'll read the, when, when Peter was, it's called the recommissioning of Peter. It's where after he, you know, he betrayed Christ three times and then, then Jesus rose from the dead and he goes to the fire and he's cooking some fish and Peter and him are having a little powwow about what went wrong here. And he's saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then finally Peter says, God, you know all things. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Then he says, then feed my sheep. And then Jesus starts to disclose with Peter what his perfect plan was for Peter, which was going to be a pretty violent ending. Going to take you where you don't want to go. And what he, the immediate, the immediate reaction was to compare himself. And he turned to John whom Jesus loved, turned to John and said, what about John? And Jesus was going to say, you know what? I'm done with this, Peter. Stop. If I want John to live a fluffy life, no problems, lives forever until I come, what's it to you? Don't compare yourself to anyone else. You do you do you. You do what I've called you to do. When, when we start, I deal with this with my clients, when they start to get depressed, discouraged, upset about their life, I say, what, 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 are, you, what are you doing with Facebook? Well, I'm on there all the time. And you know what? My sister's got a husband that's got a beautiful home in San Francisco that overlooks the ocean. And I have to say, <laughs> why are you comparing yourself? You do you. You do you. 
God's called us to a uniqueness. Stop the comparison. So I'm going to go through these one more time real quick because God wants us to reflect on these. He wants to purge this out. And if there was something else that God started saying, you know what? During this time, this was washed out, but this needs to be rinsed because there's remnants of things. If there's some other things that were triggered because of this, you write those things down. You bring it to God. City of Jericho mindset, tightly shut up. Building walls of defense because of fear. Number two was mindset of offense. Constantly being the victim. Number three was a culture, cultivating a culture of dishonor. Jesus, forgive us. Power and control will with God. And then being caged with a mindset of comparison. So what we're going to do during this time, you guys have your, your elements. There's going to be, I want you, we're going to just have worship going on here. And I want you to take time to reflect. It's like what the Apostle Paul says, reflect upon it. Change it. Ask for forgiveness. Cleanse it. Purify yourself. And then when you have gone to a place where you say, okay, I am ready to take this communion. That this be about you and God. So I don't want you going to someone else and saying, you know what? You offended me and I need to forgive you. No, no, no. It's not about them. It's about you and God. You and God. So when you've had this time of reflection, wherever you need to go in, inside of here to have that time, if you need to get away from your girlfriends because they're looking over your shoulder about what you're writing, go and do that. Have your time with God. Correct it so that you're ready to take communion and have that because then we're going to go into the, the next commissioning. That Okay. was lost the wayward one so far away I was your thought there on the cross that day I saw the feast but I chose the dirt to lay my head. I was a captive to what the accuser said. Then you stepped into my grave laughing at the guilt and shame all my fear was stripped away now i stand and sing i am washed
in his love for you. There is no coincidence that when Jesus died on the cross, his arms were stretched out wide. All of me, Jesus says, for all of you. His arms were stretched out wide to receive you, to accept you, to include you. May we stretch our arms out wide to receive him, to embrace all he's done all he has like a little boy or little girl that shows their Abba shows their father they want to be picked up they stretch out their arms wide embrace me pick me up hold me Jesus, 
love wants to embrace you, hold you, surround you, fill you. us in your love again. Baptize us in your love, Lord. Lord, in the new parts, those parts that were locked down, those Jericho walls, Lord, that have come down. Your Holy Spirit is rushing in. He's rushing in to take dominion and presence in that area of our life. We welcome you, Lord. We don't play tug of war with you, Lord. We don't hide out from you, Lord. We embrace you, Lord. We honor your work. We honor you, Lord. And in that, Lord, you'll help us to honor others. You'll help us to be honor, honorable to other people in our home. And being examples to our children and breaking off that spirit of dishonor or rebellion that's cultivated, that we see in the world. Lord, we want to honor you. And thereby expressing it in our, in our lives. Lord, may we be people who are not offended. May we not compare ourselves with others. Lord, may we embrace the journey that you have us on and not complain about it, but realize that that journey is your love journey with us. And there's purpose that you have, even in the pain. There's purpose in it. You want to show us the purpose in it. That you're with us in our unique journey, in our unique race, with our unique baton, that you have said, I, I've given to you this anointing, this responsibility, this testimony. Because there's power in this. There's power, my power, through you in this to change the world. We embrace you, Lord. We embrace you, Lord. We embrace you, Lord. We embrace you. As you have already embraced us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Did you take your communion? Praise the Lord. We're going to go in our time.
and a minute of commissioning, what that means, I want to explain that for those of you that are new. That means that you're going to have something you're going to get prayed over that has to do with this whole time together. In your notes, get out your notes, there's a sheet. I'm blow my nose. It says commissioning. There's notes, but there's also a sheet that has places for you to write, okay? That sheet, in a minute, you're going to respond to it. Now, listen, you don't have to respond to every part of that. You can read through it. I'll go over it with you in a minute. Lord's good. I'm going to blow my nose still, just a minute. the Lord. So shall I have the worship team sit for a bit? Maybe I will. Okay. The worship team can sit for a little bit. There'll be a few minutes here. And then they'll go back up. So let's get out our commissioning stuff. So you got your sheet? It looks like you got your sheet. You got it. Okay. There's notes as well. Okay. So you have a notes for this service, which I do not want you to not look at, because it's going to have to do with what I say to you right now, and then I'll get to that sheet, okay? Do you have those notes? Let me see what you got, because I don't have a, a, an example. Yes, that's what we need. Okay. Okay, so it's part of that little packet for this service. I believe what we're doing here is not just filling our time. It's not... Just having like, oh, well, I had a nice spiritual experience. That's not what we're doing here. There is actually a covenant that you're making through what God reveals to you during this time that sets your course for 2023. It's a, it's a juncture that sets you on a trajectory. If you've ever played baseball or softball, the, the pitcher pitches the ball to you, and you hit it, hopefully, right? You hit the ball, and that ball is on a trajectory. It's going to go in a direction as a result of the encounter with the bat, correct? And in a sense, that's the same way. It places you on a trajectory of where God wants you to go. It's not just about having an experience. It is pretty um, lame if all it is is an experience that dissipates. But it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be an encounter to change your trajectory or to alter it or to continue to blow on it, to move it forward. And that's why we do this every year. You know, I'm never, you know, people ask me, why don't you bring in a great speaker, you know, popular person, do this, you get more people, la, la, la. That's not the purpose of this. It's not the purpose of it. It's a, the purpose of this is to cultivate an authentic atmosphere of the Holy Spirit so that you 
have a encounter with the Lord that places you on a trajectory. That's what it's about. I don't care if it's smooth. I don't care if it runs smoothly. It doesn't matter to me. That's not the goal. The goal is not performance. The most nightly, nightly, what is that? Tightly fitted package is not the goal. The goal is for you to have such an impact that you go away changed. And as a result, your course is set with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how do you know that works? Because I live that way. That's how I know it works. I live that way. And that's part of my baton. Where did that baton go anyway? Here we go. Pastor David left, so I can call it whatever I want now. But he's, oh, he's here. Okay. Honor, honor, honor. Okay, here we go. Honor, honor. Okay. (laughs) That's part of my baton to this generation is that someday as you age out in life, you will have, or I age out, you will have a memory of this time. And you will say, you know that Thirst Conference that I was in in 2023? God spoke to me. And in that word he gave This is what happened, and this is what I did with that word. You know, I just, actually, this reminds me of, I was just had a speaking engagement a couple months ago at a different church, and uh, I was talking about Women of the World, which is an organization that I have, by the way, I wasn't going to plug this, but I'm going to plug it a little bit. Women of the World is what we do here, like the Thirst Conference, we do all over the world, and we have partners now. And I have a a monthly newsletter. If you're interested in getting the monthly newsletter, which means it's an email, email newsletter about what we're doing, what's going on, you can pick up one of those and you can just give me your email. It doesn't go to anybody else. I don't give your email to anybody else. But if you're interested in that, pick one of those up and give it to me and I'll put you on the e-newsletter. But I was at this church and afterwards they had a, a banquet for food and stuff. Um, So I stayed, and the lady came up to me, and she goes, you know what? I was talking with my daughter who's moved. She goes, my daughter, she's married, and she moved. And I went down and visited her just recently, and I was so surprised to see you at the church today because she and I were just talking about you. And she said, you know what? I asked my daughter. We were talking about her spiritual walk and, and what was the moment where she had the change in her life that she needed to walk with the Lord. And she said to me, you know, we went to that Thirst Conference. Remember that? In Morgan Hill, and she said the date. It was like 2013 or 2014, something in that time period. And she said, Mom, that changed my life. And the lady come up, came up, and I've never seen that girl since. Never seen her. She moved away. She's, you know. But that was the moment that shifted her life to walk with the Lord and all these years later continue to walk with the Lord. Telling them on this. So I want to say what the Lord is doing in your life right now, whether it's through whoever spoke, whether it's just mute, the worship time, whether it was the prophetic appointment that you had, a prayer appointment, whatever it was, that the Lord wants it not to dissipate, but he wants it to use it to grow that in you, to continue to fuel your life with him in the trajectory that he has for you to do great things. That's the goal. It's interesting because last night I talked about perseverance, right? You remember that? It was, only, it was less than 24 hours ago. I know it feels longer, but it really wasn't. 
always think that's funny. I don't really have, I, I think I'm funnier than I actually am. I know that for sure. <laughs> but me, myself, and I have a good time. So, and the Lord. But um, we talked about perseverance. It takes perseverance to be on that trajectory. And we talked about persevering faith. Because if you don't persevere in it, you do not leave to the next generation what you're supposed to be leaving to the next generation. And, but, but get this. You're going to leave something to the next generation, by the way. You can leave brokenness. You can leave the spirit of depression. You can leave a lot of things to the next generation. Or you can leave persevering faith. Like we're talking about the testimony of your life. The freedom of your life. Okay. So I talked about having persevering faith. I talked about the presence of Jesus because it always begins with the presence of Jesus in our lives. It's not about, let me just make sure you don't ever think that we're talking about doing any of this in ourselves. Any of it having to do with humanism. Very important because there are false doctrines out there amongst even Christianized people using scripture that have this little God mentality. Do you know what I mean, little God? Like you're a little God. That's a very new age type of thing. Everything that we're talking about has to do with Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit dwelling in our lives and we being in surrender to the Holy Spirit. Everything. So it's very important that I, I say that because it can get misconstrued easily with some of the false doctrines that are out there, some of the new age doctrines that are out there that are infiltrating the church even, infiltrating deceiving believers. So I just want to make that clear. But today I'm going to talk to you before we get into commissioning about power. That's why I wanted to say that. Because the world is attracted to spiritual power. Let me say that again. The world is attracted to spiritual power more now than ever. But the truth is this, the world has always been attracted to spiritual power. You know, when, the, when in the book of Acts, this is not in your notes, but in the book of Acts while I was worshiping, I, I re, was reminded of the story by the Holy Spirit that when in Acts 8, when um, they're ministering in Samaria and the apostles come and they pray for the Samarians, and the Samarians uh, become believers. There's this man by the name of Simon the sorcerer who wants, he sees, verse 18 says, Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, so that the Samarians had received the Holy Spirit and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, Simon wanted that same power that he saw the new believers, the Samaritans, receive. And know what he did? He offered money to receive it. He says, give me this authority and power. He says this to Peter. Wrong guy to say it to, for sure. And, and Peter reacts to him very strongly. He says, may your money... Be destroyed along with you because you thought you could buy the free gift of God with money. You have no part or share in the matter because your heart is not right before God. I say this, 
the reason why we did communion right now before I did this message is we want to have a pure heart when it comes to talking about the power of God in our lives. Because I'm going to share with you four types of power that biblically the Lord has given to us as our inheritance. But this power is always connected to our surrender and obedience to the Holy Spirit. It is not power we function in selfishly, in a manipulative way, outside of that relationship with Christ. Amen, Pastor Lynn. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you about the power that he has. Because you need power to prevail. Jesus came to give you power. So let's look at that. Luke 9, 1 through 6 says this. When Jesus, you have your notes, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The Lord is not sending you out powerless. He is sending you out with his power and authority. He says to them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Boy, they're packing light. Pastor David would love to travel with them rather than me. But anyway, whatever house, sorry, Jesus, I do take my fuzzy blanket everywhere I go. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, Leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them so that they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Jesus gives them the baton. Jesus gives them an assignment. Jesus says, you have under my authority, I am giving to you, I am delegating to you my power and authority. But you know what else is interesting about this? As he sets their expectations, remember, you're going to face rejection. Before they ever leap, what did I say about rejection? Rejection provides your direction. He already says, by the way, you're going to be rejected, so I'm going to teach you how to deal with it before you face it. So once again, just like Jesus modeled to them, how to go about their assignment in his life. Now he's telling them, this is how you do it. This is how you're going to persevere in your assignment. This is how you're going to be part of my miracles that I want you to do. I want you to persevere with the grit and the rigor of miracles. Don't leave here without those two words. Grit. And rigor. If you think it's easy, you'll give up. So he's telling them it's not going to be easy, but you're going to function in my power. It's not going to be easy, but you're going to function. Some people are going to reject you, like Jesus was rejected in garrison. But you know what? You keep moving forward. He's still saying that to us today. He gives us those same instructions today. Because sometimes we, we easily want to quit. So he was teaching them perseverance with his power. See, you need to also persevere in functioning in the power of God. Not in the power of yourself, but in the power of God. And the truth is, what is the theme, what is the theme of this conference? What is the name of this conference? It's called what? What's the theme? 
prevail. And our, you're, it's good. Thirst is good. But we are to prevail. In order to prevail, you cannot do it in your own strength. You have to do it with his power. And in order for you to prevail, you have to persevere and function in his power. And one of the greatest battles is within ourselves, our flesh. Just like Shelley talked, I was thinking about the Jericho concept that she said. So many times uh, the Jericho uh, concept is good when it comes to no power coming in, no power going out because of fear, right? And that's why it's important that we let our walls down so that the power of God can flow through our lives, the Lord wants his children in 2023 to be powerful people. People who function in his power and authority. That is his desire and design. I want you to turn in your, your, your notes to the four types of power. It's in your notes. It's going to be clear. I'm going to explain those things. But when you function in God's power and authority... When you persevere in it, the enemy is perplexed. Let me read this. Luke 9, 7 through 9. Now Herod, Luke 9, 7 through 9, I passed some scriptures there, but now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening, and he, the enemy, was perplexed. Because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Who is he hearing about? He is hearing about Jesus. He's hearing about all the things that Jesus had done, and Herod was a total control freak, and he could not control, the enemy could not control what Jesus was doing, and it perplexed him. When you function... In the power and authority of Jesus in your life, not just here and there, but in your life, you know what it does? It confuses the enemy. It baffles the enemy. It causes the enemy to feel scrambled because the enemy is a control freak and his design is to control you. But when you, now I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, now I have His Holy Spirit in me, now He's given me power and authority, and I'm going to go forward no matter what, no matter if there's winds and waves and troubles, I'm going to keep going forward, I'm going to keep persevering in my faith, I'm going to keep believing God, no matter what the physical realm says. You know what it does to the enemy? It scrambles him. It confuses him. It causes him to be perplexed because he doesn't get it. Because the enemy does not understand grace. And all of this that we have in our lives is not earned by our goodness. It's not earned by our works. It is given to us by his grace. The power that we receive, the gifts that we receive... Are by his grace. First Corinthians 2, 4 through 5 says this. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. This is Paul saying this. Of man's wisdom. 
but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith, those who I'm preaching to, should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So it's not just about talk, it's about walk, and it's not just about walk, it's about powerful walk. I just don't talk the talk, I walk the walk. I just don't say that I'm going to do, I do. I don't just come down and go, oh, and then get up and be the same. I come down here and go, I surrender and get up and be different. And say, you know what? I have committed. Jesus, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't know about you, but when I come into communion and there's things that come up in my spirit, things that the Lord has uh, convicted me of, I say to him, Jesus, I don't want to be like that anymore. And Jesus says, good. I don't want you to be like that anymore either. Now let's go out and work on this. It's not just repenting and then getting back up and being the same. Because he's given us the power for change. He's given us the power for transformation. So here, let's look at the four types of power. First, I want you to know this about the four types of power. Hi, Winston. I see you. I see you. First type. The word is koa. Hebrew word. Great in ability. A type of power that the Lord has given his children. Now you have to be a child of God. Koa, great in ability. Deuteronomy 8, 18. This is where he uses. This is where the word is used in the original language. But you must remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability or the power to get wealth. So that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is today. It's a certain type of power. Koa means, and I think I have the definition in your notes, right? Koa means capacity, ability to be firm, vigor, literally or figuratively. Capacity and means to produce fruit, substance, and wealth. It includes all the gifts, natural and supernatural, you need to excel in your work and in turn produce fruits of abundance to share with others. What does this have to do? Pastor David and I, our career is ministry. I get paid to do ministry, right? You all know that. But most of you in this room do not get paid to do ministry. You're paid professionally to do other things. This type of power has to do with that. It has to do with your ability now. See, see God cares more than, we don't want to box it into ministry. That power is just for ministry. The power of God is there for you to have the ability to be fruitful in the career or the assignment that he has given to you. He cares about that too, by the way. It's not just only, he only cares when I'm doing, quote, ministry. He cares about whether you get, succeed in your schooling. He cares about and gives you the ability to, to prosper and be, have favor and have power in your uh, um, career assignment. If you believe that. If you think God's not a part of that, well, God only cares about the church stuff but not about the career stuff, you're wrong. 
He cares about it all. And that's why he gives this type of power for your life. He gives you supernatural power to excel in your work and to have fruitfulness and abundance. But you got to realize it's God. you got to realize this is God. Sometimes we think it's us. And the Lord's saying, no, I want you to have the recognition that I want you to be fruitful and excel in your work. Got to stay plugged in. See, why, why is this important to God? Remember the curse? Remember in Genesis 3? What was the curse over man? Labor. Before they had dominion, now it's hard labor you're going to have. You're going to have to, it's going to be the land over you. It's going to be that the land rules you. And by the sweat of your brow, you would only get, the, the toil comes from that. But what did Jesus do? He put the crown of thorns on his head and he says, now I've given you victory over that. And now through my power, I want to give you the ability to be fruitful. Okay. I don't know. That excites me. And I'm in the ministry. But my sons and my daughter, my son and my daughter, they're in other fields. I proclaim that over them. You proclaim those over the, your children. Teach your children these things. God is in everything. Second kind of authority. Second kind of power. Because this is about handing the baton to the next generation. What are you handing to? I'm going to teach my children that the God has given you power to have wealth, have success, have fruitfulness, and what he has assigned you to do for your life. Wow, come on. Your business. I don't know. Are you guys having the low blood sugar right now? I don't know. Okay, second. <laughs> it's fine. Exousia. I've used this word many times. It's a Greek word. Power. Great in authority. Exousia is the authority. Now, what's the difference between power and authority? Well, well, I always like to use this example. I used to be the principal here at the school. We have two schools here. We have a preschool and an elementary school. And um, this is the difference between power and authority. You're on the playground. Kids are on the playground, right? What happens? There's a bully on the playground. He's controlling everything. Because he's bigger. He's a bully. He's in control because he has power. But you know who shows up? The principal. Because the principal has authority. Right? And now the bully no longer has the power because the principal showed up with the authority. You have authority. There might be some bullies going on, but you know what? When you show up, you say, you know what? I have authority. The Lord has given to you, designated it to you, delegated it to you, authority. Mark 3, 13 through 15. He went up into the mountain and called to him who's, those he desired, and they came to him. He ordained 12 to be with him and to be sent out to preach and to have authority to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Authority means I have the right to act. When Jesus died on the cross and we became his children, he delegated to us authority. Just like the, the board 
The Crossroads Christian School and Church Board delegates that authority to the principal who exercises that authority. Jesus delegated to us the authority for areas. And in this, it says to have authority to heal sickness and to cast out demons. We have authority over spiritual things. Not just physical, like we were talking about the first type of power. But now we have authority over spiritual things. Don't run the other way. You got authority. Luke 10, 19. Because we walk in the same kingdom authority as Jesus did. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome some of the power of the enemy. Some of us actually live that way. All, all the power of the, so of the enemy. I have given to you authority. So when you face something, whatever it may be, if you remember the word of the Lord, because see, the, th the thing is, is when you remember the word of the Lord it re and you declare the word of the Lord, it reminds the enemy where his rightful place is. And his rightful place is under your feet. Because his rightful place is under Christ's feet. And you are now in Christ. In this is applicable to your life that you have authority you have the right because you are sons and daughters remember I, last night I read John chapter 1 and it talked about those who did his own would not receive him but the, those who did receive him he gave them the right to be children of God this is your right now the authority that he has given to you because you are a child of God you have authority now number three dunamis very more of a popular use of power in the New Testament great in miracles sometimes we just associate power only with miracles and healings but I want you to see it way more than it is Acts 1 8 you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses power dunamis the word dunamis is used there Acts 4 32 and 33 all the believers were of one heart and one soul and no one said that he what he possessed was his own but to them all things were in common with great power the apostles testified to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was on them all with great power now this is why I wanted the scripture in here because not only did they testify because testifies your mouth but they testified with great power. They just didn't testify. There was great power. What does that mean? There was miraculous power that went along with their testimony. There was, according to dunamis means, miraculous power, might, ability, and great force. By implication, it points to a miracle itself. Above this inherent power to perform miracles, it also includes moral power and excellence of soul. What does that mean? You have the ability to have moral power. So if you say, Pastor Lynn, this fill-in-the-blank is too powerful over me. 
This addiction to pornography is too powerful over me. This addiction to whatever, to, to negativity, to, uh, I don't even, there's so many things. It's too powerful, it's a too shopping addiction. Is overcomes me. It's more powerful. Well, actually, you have dunamis power in you. And that power says, I have now, not in my flesh, because my flesh, you know, my flesh is, is easily tempted, is easily uh, overtaken. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the dunamis power that he has given to me, I can live a holy life. I can live a life free of addiction. I can live a life free of these things that try to uh, ensnare me. I can live a life free of what mama and papa and brother and sister in the past couldn't live a life free of. I can because I now have the dunamis power that dwells in me. Come on. I am done. Now, I know we're on a journey. I just want you to know. I am compassionate. We're on a journey, and I believe that. And we all, I'm on a journey, too. And it is a process from glory to glory to glory that we're growing. But I am done with the embrace of defeat. I'm done with you Christians. I'm not talking about the world. The world's, you know, they don't. Why are we expecting them to have victory when they have no power? But if you have the mentality of defeat, you are not believing in the word of God and what Christ did for you because he tells you you have power over these things. That's abundant life. I'm going to say this. The world, our culture specifically, has taught us the power of victimization. The world has taught us the power of victimization, which keeps us in bondage. So if, the, if there's something we're going to get out of it, if there's something we can get out of it now, the world is, and that is such the enemy. The enemy wants that power of victimization to be in our lives so that we're getting something out of feel sorry for me. We're getting something out of I'm a victim to everybody else, which in some ways makes me feel better about myself because you all did me wrong. You all did me wrong. And that victimization, listen, have you, have you been hurt? Yes. Have you been abused? Yes. Have you had those? Yes. Those things have happened. I am not saying those things don't happen. What I'm saying is that that is not your identity in Christ. That you are a new creation. Those things did happen. It could be a part of your testimony. But you know what the part of your testimony is? I am an overcomer. I am an overcomer. The enemy is now under my feet. I have forgiven the people who have harmed me because I will have no soul tie with them because of unforgiveness. Come on, Jesus. He wants you to walk in power. Okay, the fourth kind. Fourth kind of power. Kratos. This is one of the most intense types of power. Great in reigning. Great in reigning. When you talk about reigning, what do you think? If you take a, think about a monarch, right? A monarch or a, a queen, a king that reigns. 
This is us great in reigning. In other words, having this authority in our lives over the area that God has given to us. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He uses that word kratos, power of his might. Kratos means this. Effective power in reigning, it includes vigor, dominion, a work of power, dominion. Jesus has given us keys to the kingdom to take back dominion over every societal sphere of influence. What does that mean? The area that the Lord has assigned for you in your life, you have a portion. I talked to you about that on Friday night. That area of your life, the Lord has given to you power and authority. And in this sense, it's, it's, there's nothing lacking that you need. In other words, you have a key to every locked door in your domain, and you have the power to unlock it. That's the best way to say it. You come across, listen, I said, you, the Lord, you, God has given to you a land of promise, How, a, a family that is of peace, a, a marriage of peace, whatever he wants to say, the land that the God, Lord has assigned to you. He has given to you a land of promise, but there are giants in that land. Maybe some of those giants are your own self. Some of those giants is your own patterns, your own bad habits, the ways that you learned from the past that now you're getting rid of, whatever those giants are. But the truth is this, the Lord has given to you power to take down those giants. Whatever the locked door, the key that's needed, you have it to unlock it. You don't need to lay in bed and say, you know what, it's impossible. All you ask is, what key, Lord? What's the key to this? To unlock. I'm, I'm preaching hard right now. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. The very same word is used here. And I want you to see the magnitude of this power. Because this is Kratos' power. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. The power that dwells in you, this greatest power, is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You have the same power in you to function in dominion over what God has assigned for you to do as you take down the giants of the land that you've been assigned to. You have not been given my assignment. You have an assignment. God has given you a domain. That domain, you need to figure it out. You need to figure that domain out. I know it has to do with your family. I know it has to do if you have children, definitely your children. If you have a spouse, it has to do with that. It has to do with your relatives. It has to do with where he's placed you. If, you're, if you have a career, if you own a business, he has, it has to do with that. It has to do with the ministry that he's given to you. And it's like, he has given to you a domain. And he has given you Kratos' power for that domain. In other words, to rule and reign in that domain, which actually encompasses the authority that he has given to you. The enemy likes to try to convince you that you do not have authority in your domain. You do have authority 
in your domain. That's why you should not know, you are no longer in bondage to fear. For I have not given to you a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1, 7. For the Lord has not given to us, Paul writes to Timothy, a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Fear causes us not to function in the power that God has given to us. We don't get, out of the, we don't get the keys of the kingdom out. But we rather, the, the fear is a porthole to giving our authority to the enemy. Rather than saying, Lord, teach me how to function in the power that you have for my life. These are all types of power that the Lord has given to us. You have that same power. And through the power of God, you are able to prevail over your enemies. You say, Pastor Lynn, why is it that the Lord just doesn't wipe out all of our enemies and we have to actually prevail? What? Okay, let's think of this logically. Why is it that the Lord just doesn't wipe out all of our enemies out of the land that he has given to us and we just can go dance around in it? Why would he give you power if you didn't need to use it? You don't need to use your power if he just said, I'm just going to wipe it out. You don't have any need for power. So he says, I'm going to teach them how to use the power. Listen, that's what he did with the disciples. He didn't do it everything himself. He said, I'm giving you power and authority. Now go out and have authority over all the power of the enemy. Didn't he say that? When he lived here... When he was here on earth with them to show us. Listen, he wanted them to learn to build the muscle of using his power. That was the purpose of the cross. So that we could, he, the cross wasn't for him. The cross was for us. The cross was saying, I'm taking back for you everything that the enemy has stolen. Way back in the Garden of Eden. Because they did have dominion then. They did. God delegated to Adam and Eve the dominion in the garden, but they gave it over to the enemy. And Jesus said, I'm taking it back for you. Now you're going to exercise it. You're going to learn to have that power and authority over the enemy in your life here. So now, worship team, come on up. So now it's time. To be prayed over. Because as scripture says in Numbers 1330. Now let us go up and take possession of the land. Because surely we are able to prevail over it. Did you hear me? Come now. Let's now go up and take possession of the land. You need to take possession of your land. And prevail over the enemy. Some of us have parts of our territory that the enemy is acting like he has authority over it. And the Lord says that 
territory belongs to you. See, that was the whole picture of Joshua's story. The whole picture of the story is this. That land belongs to you. Go get it. But there were people dwelling in that land. There were giants dwelling in that land. But the Lord said, that land belongs to you. I believe parts of India, Bangladesh, Nepal belong to me. That's why he's sending me in. To prevail over the enemy there. Not just here. That's why this house, why we have partners all over the world. Because the Lord said, no, that's, that's your assignment. That's your baton. It's not just about us four no more. There's more for you. Take the baton. But you know what we got to do is we got to listen. We got to discover, Lord, what are you telling us? What is my assignment about? That's what your sheet is about. Get out your sheet right now. I used to do this, actually. Get out your sheet. And what does that sheet say? We're going to go over it right now because you're going to fill it out. Because it has to do with the race that you're running. The race that you're running for your life, for this generation, and what you're handing to the next generation. Are you handing them fear or are you handing them faith? What are you handing them? What are you handing them? You know, I was thinking as I was praying in the office for this commissioning time, I was thinking about the prophet Elijah and he had the next generation who came alongside him of him. The Lord had given to him Elisha. I always wonder why the two names are so close that for perpetuity it would always be confusing, Elijah and Elisha. I'll have to ask the Lord about that. It's like, why so close, Lord? People get them confused all the time. But anyway, that's a whole other story. So in the story, it's time for Elijah to be taken up. And the scripture tells us in 2 Kings that... Elijah tells Elisha, you know, just stay over here on the other side. But Elisha persists to be with Elijah because Elisha loves Elijah. And Elisha has such a respect for Elijah's ministry, for what he saw Elijah do. So much so that he says, I will not go. I am going to come with you. Tell the end. Tell you are taken up. I'm coming with you. He's the only prophet that comes to the other side of the Jordan. And this is what happens. Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. Ask what I shall do for you. Elijah is here. Stepping in to the paths of the baton. To the next generation. The next generation says to Elijah, Please let a double portion 
of your spirit fall on me. Because what you have is better than any other thing that I see. What you have in your life, I can't get anywhere else. And I just don't want the same. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more of what you have. That's what we want the next generation to say of our faith. Of the power that flows from our lives. From the dunamis power. From the exusa power. From the kratos power. All the power that flows from our lives. They want to say, I want more of that. Because what I saw in you. I saw the authenticity in you. And you know what we find in the story? So Elijah is taken up in a chariot of fire, but what falls down? It's Elijah's mantle or cloak. And you know what the response is by Elisha is he tears off his old cloak and he picks up the new cloak. And you know what he does? He goes to the waters, the same waters that Elijah had parted, and he goes with the power of Elisha, that which he asked for, and he says there, he says there, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he too had struck the waters, just like Elijah, they divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. He said, it works. It's the same power, and it's in my life. And you know what the prophets that were on the other side watching, you know what they said when he arrived? They said, the spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. The spirit of the generation before me rests on me. You have an assignment. Look at your sheet. What is that the Lord has placed in you to pass on to the next generation? This is the key. This is the key phrase before we get to anything else. I want you right now, I don't want you to get up for your prayer. I don't want you to come up here and say, I don't know. Because if you're saying, I don't know, that means you haven't listened to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit wants to, to give you something. It may not be in the fullness of everything. He will reveal more to you later. But he wants to give you something that he's saying, I have given you a baton to pass to the next generation. And this is what it is. Maybe it could be, I'm going to pass on a life free from addiction, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit to the next generation. I'm not going to pass on addiction. I'm not going to pass on depression. Whatever you want to say. I'm not going to pass, I'm going to pass on freedom. It could be about saying, you know what I'm going to pass on? I'm going to pass on how to have a godly business that's fruitful and flourishing to the next generation. That we don't have to be money hungry and greedy. We can have a business that glorifies God. To the next, come on, it goes big. Let's not just whittle it down to some things because I said it. It goes big. God has something for you to personally.
persevering. You say, is it going to be easy? It's not going to be easy. Jesus' life wasn't easy. The disciples' life wasn't easy. Elijah's life wasn't easy. Elisha's life wasn't easy. Nobody's life is easy because you have a foe. It's the enemy, but you run the race. Woo. He's given me authority. He's given me power. I can do this. I don't look at the winds and the waves. I don't look at the physical realm. The first presence that I am in is in God's presence. Human presence is secondary. It's God's presence. Come on, I'm preaching to myself if I'm not preaching to you. So right now, I just want you to really hone in. What is it that the Lord has placed in you to pass on to the next generation? That's what you're going to come up here. The other questions may help clarify that. In a minute, when the prayer teams are over up here, when I call them up, there's going to be prayer teams. See, this is the point of the whole 24 hours. This is the point. It's for you to commit. Elijah says to Elisha, okay, what do you want? What do you want? And Elisha says, I want a double portion. That's your baton, Elisha. A double portion. Here you go. Run with that double portion. And you know who takes down Jezebel? It's not Elijah. It's Elisha's ministry. He's involved in the taking down of the enemy Jezebel. The one that had pursued Elijah. Elisha with a double portion helps to take her down. So what is it? I want you to think about it. I want you to write it down because you're going to come up here and you're, you are going to speak it forth to your prayer team and they're going to pray over you. Let me go through some of these other ones. In light of that first question and second question, how do you need to persevere? Are you getting tripped up in, in some way? You kind of like, well, I do know that this is my purpose or this is what God has for me. But, the, but what also you need to identify is how do you get tripped up? How do you need to persevere? How do you need to persevere? Are there times or there's things that happen that easily trip you up that pretty soon you're like Peter? Remember Peter? He got out on walking on the water, but he got the winds and waves in his head. And what ended up happening? He began to seek. What's tripping you up? What's tripping you up? What you need to do is write it down. And you need to say, you know what? This is something that I'm not going to let me trip up, get tripped up to complete the assignment. Do you have joy in the faith journey? Before you see the fulfillment of the promise, are you fixated? This is just some clarifying questions. The first question is the one I want you to give to the prayer team. Do you have joy? Or are you fixated on, oh, this is how it's supposed to look. And then you get, get into the depths of despair and disappointment when it doesn't look like that. The Lord's saying, I want you to have joy no matter what it looks like around you. No matter how I'm working out this, this vision that I've given to you in your life, I want you to have joy. What are you responsible to believe God for? What are you responsible to pass on to the next generation? 
So what I want you to do right now is just take a few minutes. I'm going to have the, the worship team go through a song. I want you to take a few minutes and reflect on especially the first question. And then we're going to have a time of commissioning. Worship team. And I see the cloud And I step in to see your glory like Moses did. Flashes of light, rolls of thunder, but I'm not afraid. Oh, pray. 
in the front have your anointing oil with you let's wait let the prayer teams come Jesus. and I just feel like whoo the Holy Spirit really wants to empower you for your assignment with the baton that he has given to you so what I want you to do prayer teams I don't, if you weren't in the room, let me explain to you what's happening here. They have on a their commissioning sheet, they have, they're going to explain to you their purpose. The purpose that God has given to them to run the race. The purpose that they have for this generation. They're going to read that to you. And then you're going to anoint them. If you just entered in the room, prayer team, it's a little bit like Elijah and Elisha. They're going to receive an anointing for this assignment that God has given to them for this generation, for their lives. I say this is a holy moment. I say this is just as holy as when I got ordained to be a minister. This is just as holy. This is just as holy for your life. God sees this as holy. This is a covenant between you and the Lord. And it's setting your course. It's setting your trajectory of where you're headed. So I want those of you, those of you that are waiting to be prayed with, just wait in your seat, be in prayer. The worship team is going to, we'll probably just keep it really quiet so that they can hear. Those of you that, if you get dismissed on the worship team, come down and you can also be part of the prayer time. So I'm going to pray over you and then come up to the prayer teams. And... Uh, we're going to get prayed with. Lord, right now, Father, you're commissioning. This is not me commissioning them. It's not Crossroads commissioning them. It's not the Thirst Conference commission. It's you. It's your Holy Spirit. This is a holy moment. It's between you and them. Just like when Elijah and Elisha had the conversation. Now, what do you want? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of what you got. In that same moment... You gave him that double portion. You gave him that double portion. Just as holy as that. So, Father, we seal this time. We covenant make with you right now in your name. Amen. Now, come on up to uh, our teams. Do you see where the teams are? Raise Let's cuddle like, of course, they probably know who you are because they've been in with you. 
Come on, find a team. Here's a team right here. There we go. There we go. There we go. And then if you, and then just wait for your chance. Just sit and wait until the next uh, a team is open. teams, if you have a prophetic word for them, you can give it. You can give it too, okay? That's not my name. I'm not afraid. That's not my name. Your glory 
So come again, let your glory in, I'm open, I'm open. So come again, let your glory
Oh. Uh-huh. 
Yesterday, today, the same. Tomorrow, you are faithful. Come like a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind. Our praise will rend the heavens. Come fall afresh again. Come like a flame of fire. A mighty rushing wind, our praise will rend the heavens. Come fall afresh again, come like a flame of fire. A mighty rushing wind, our praise will rend the heavens. Come fall afresh again, more and more and more and more. Of you, more of you, oh, more love, more power, more. Again, come on like a flame of fire, a mighty 
rushing wind our praise will rend the heavens come fall afresh again come like a flame of fire a mighty rushing wind our praise will rend the heavens all come fall afresh come like a flame of fire a mighty rushing wind our praise will rend the heavens come fall afresh again holy spirit fall on your children presence fall your presence fall in this place Shekinah glory Shekinah glory the fullness of your presence Shekinah glory Shekinah glory Oh, the fullness of your presence is what I want. More and more and more of you. Open my eyes to see you. Open my heart to receive you.
Come like a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind. Our praise will rend the heavens, come fall afresh again. We want more of you, more of you, Holy Spirit. We make room. We make room for you. We make room for you. It's all about you. Jesus, it's all about you. If you haven't been prayed with, we have teams available. Make sure you get prayed. Don't leave here without being prayed with. Don't miss out on what the Lord has for you.
coming like a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind. Our praise will rend the heavens, come fall afresh again. Coming like a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind. Our praise will rend the heavens, come fall afresh again. a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind. I praise you, I praise you, I praise you. Your praise will always be on my lips. I praise you, for you are worthy. a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind. Our praise will rend the heavens, come fall afresh again. Come like a flame of fire, a mighty rushing wind. Our praise will rend the heavens, come fall afresh again. What a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus You're beautiful, you're beautiful, what a wonderful name it is, what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King, what a wonderful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my what a wonderful name it is Nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus What a powerful name it is Dave, Here's a prayer team available right here If you didn't get prayed Jesus. with yet Okay Glory to the Lord on high, 
song of praise will rise to my champion, my rescue. You're so close. You're so close. So close. So pull me a little closer, take me a little deeper. I want to know your heart, I want to know your heart, because your love is so much sweeter. 
than anything I've tasted. Wanna know your heart. Wanna know your heart. I wanna know your heart. So pull me a little closer. Take me a little deeper. Wanna know your heart. Wanna know your heart. Cause your love is so much sweeter than anything I've tasted. Wanna know your heart. Wanna know your start praying for one another because you have given out but you also have to declare your purpose amen so let's pray for one another here come on over here pray for one another those of you that have been doing ministry the worship team make sure you receive prayer listen we're not going to leave here everybody's going to get blessed Every last person going to leave here blessed. Not just given, but you're going to receive. If you haven't been prayed for, prayer team's available right here. Oh, oh, how great your love is for me. Get in line to receive, okay?
than anything I faced it. Wanna know your heart. Wanna know your heart. Wanna know your heart. Randy, make sure you get prayer. I'm gonna call people out now. Praise the Lord. I want to know. Brian and Marina, you can come here. We're doing prayer teams. We're getting prayer teams. Yes,
And I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, do whatever you want to.
just want to move your heart It's all I want to do I just want to stand in awe And pour my love on you No matter how much the cost I freely give it all to you All to you I just want to move your heart It's all I want to do I just want to stand in awe And pour my love on you No matter how much the cost I freely give it all to you All to you just want to move your heart get caught within your gaze right here in your presence God is where I want to stay oh just in your house waste my hours and my days on you Then I'll pour my oil out Is it a life laid down? Then here I give my vows Is it a song I sing? Then here's every melody Just tell me what moves you Just tell me what moves you Is it a fragrance? Then I pour And here I give my vows Is it a song I sing? Then here's every melody Just tell me what moves you Just tell me what moves you I just want to move your heart It's all I want to do I just want to stand in awe and pour my love on you No matter how much the cost I freely give it all to you All to you I just want to move your heart Get caught within your gaze Right here in your presence, God is where I want to stay, oh, just to dwell in your house. Hey, we just want to thank you all for coming. We uh, bless you. May you, what you learned here not become like a faded memory. Amen. We want you to, you know, I have a fireplace in our house, and when the coals start to burn down, I have to get in there and fan it a little bit. You guys and gals need to fan what the Holy Spirit's done in your life this weekend, that the embers don't become ashened over and cold, but you want to keep that fire of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you as you go and you do your ministries, you're back to your homes, you're doing the different things you're doing, just fan the flame of the Spirit in each other, okay? 
Breathe on each other. Breathe on each other. Breathe life on each other. Amen? So God bless you. Thank you for coming. And if you're uh, going to be with us tomorrow, we're going to have a good time tomorrow at church. And we'll see you then, okay? God bless you.